only thing better than watching TV is taking it personally. You guys, oh my God, a new chapter in the AG social experiment hath begun. It is taking it personally. Can you even believe you are listening to this and you are thinking, where am I? How could you whatever, whatever without Dorinda? Like what is even happening? And I'm here to tell you that for all of you Bravo sassies, AG isn't going anywhere. You're getting your two housewives, aka Vanderpump Rules 24-7 episodes per week. But also here's the introduction into other TV adventures. I don't know about you, but I am constantly watching. TV is my love language. And there is a certain show that I feel like we're four seasons in and I have about 45 years of thoughts that I need to discuss. So it's taken it personally and I'm so excited for the first episode to have one of my favorite people, favorite content creators, favorite co-host, someone who I literally have on the sketch for like no less than 85 episodes. It feels <laughs> like 100. It feels like 100. And it's going to last for about six. And we're going to we, we always talk about stuff. We break stuff down. I like it. We really do. And I'm so excited to talk about a certain family legacy with her today. You know her as a content creator whose mission statement is if Sports Center and Dateline had a Bravo baby, welcome back to your favorite podcast, to a new episode, the first, dare I say, episode of Taking It Personally, Bravo, Bravo, Ducking Bravo, BBDV, how are we? So good. Happy to see you. Happy to talk about things other than Bravo. I call it cheating on Bravo, which I think is a healthy <laughs> affair. It's like we're French and we're very advanced and we know that we need to be complete ourselves in order to be our best for Bravo. Can I just tell you that as you were talking, my psychiatrist just texted me to reschedule today's appointment, and I feel like it was a sign, mm -hmm. a la Ace of Base. It yeah. was an absolute sign because what we're going to talk about is the psychology behind one of our favorite shows and the way that we feel connected to it, the way that it connects to dare I say so many of us. So put your copay into Venmo because we need to talk about succession. My number one favorite show of all time. All Me too. Time. And here's the thing about succession. There's so many layers to it. You could mm. just be there for the ride on the surface layer, feeling whatever emotions you feel from episode to episode, or like I think we do, you start breaking it down to its absolute foundation and then the psychology of each character and their motivations and why they act the way they act and why are they wearing what they're wearing. And there's, there, are, <laughs> there are Reddit threads. There are different Instagram accounts dedicated to this. Every detail to me, and this, was, this is to me, this is what is very exciting about 
about this medium in general, whether it be a TV show or a movie, when someone takes the time to really plan out every detail of a character, that's exciting. That lets you know that they care as much as you're going to care. And it's interesting when you think about the succession journey, which I have been on since the, I mean, LOL, duh, I've seen every episode, but like I've seen every episode dozens of times specific to season one through three, four, because we're deep in it and it's tough. It's deep. It's wrenching stuff going on. I've, and because we're still, in the middle of it, albeit with only, God forbid, one episode left, I certainly haven't seen those episodes a number of times because I feel like they're harder to rewatch. They are. Yeah. What has your journey been like with Succession? Did you feel an immediate connection? And how has that connection to the show changed? Like, what has, what did the show first offer you? And how, if at all, has that changed? now that we're, you know, getting toward the end. I think that I started watching it when season one was either over or almost over, Mm. because to me, it was like, there are a couple of shows that I, if I see the teaser to it and I don't feel like I can relate in any way, I just don't pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. Now, when I first heard and saw Succession, um, I was like, okay, a bunch of rich white people, I could give a flying, like I could really give. Like, oh, what problems do you have? You know what I mean? And I still kind of feel that way, right? But that's the fun of it now. So um, I decided to give it a shot because people just kept talking about it. And I thought, all right, fine. Surprise me, rich white folk. Surprise me. (laughs) And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. The characters are amazing because you start to realize that it's it's not glorifying it. It's not like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills where we're supposed to be looking at them in an aspirational way. But they're showing us the ugly, too. And that's that's what I enjoy. And I feel like there is a connection there between appreciating this universe and aspects of not even necessarily appreciating a Housewives universe, but appreciating a Bravoholics role in it. Yeah. Because in the ways that, as you said, Beverly Hills is supposed to be aspirational, I don't think that succession is intended to be aspirational at all. And yet it relies, we are looking for certainly some of those bells and whistles, the yacht, the far-flung locales, just the absolute access that people of such, it's like the 1% of the 1% that is a part of this, like, the ability to buy power and control, but also more important than that is the cost of all of this. Like there's an element of control that I think the audience feels free to have because it's possible to sort of watch the show and in many ways sit in judgment of the choices being made. I mean, Logan Roy... And again, I mean, LOL, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the show, stop. Truly stop don't, listening don't to Don't listen to it. Don't, don't put that on us. us. Don't, don't listen to this. Us. Don't, don't listen. Unless you really have no intention of watching in which we True. need to have a conversation. Like, I'm a person that, that I enjoy spoilers sometimes. Like, if I don't have time to go to a movie, I'm like, just F and tell me. Like, I don't have three hours totally. to go see that Marvel flick. Like, tell me the whole oh synopsis in two sentences and let me move on with my life. If that's, if you're like that too, great. Plug in, enjoy the ride. 
but don't put any guilt on us because you don't know what's going on with with Logan or who these characters are. Please. No, save all that guilt for the combination of guilt and shame that mm-hmm. Logan and Caroline instilled in their kids because we're watching, I think, in many ways, adults acting out because maybe they weren't allowed to or felt safe to do so when they were younger in incredibly Mm -hmm. toxic, dark, abusive, potentially circumstances. I mean, we've seen Logan hit Roman without a second thought, and they're based on, you know, Kendall's reaction and everyone else's. This wasn't the first time that had occurred. There was a lot of difficulty there. And I think there is an ability for the audience, obviously, looking at the money and the wealth, which, you know, is important, the kind of glitz and glam. But more so than that, it's like here are several broken people trying to get their dad to look at them with any kind of potential you know, positive attention. That's that is a tough environment in which to exist. It doesn't feel like it's the goal necessarily of viewers tuning in. Yeah, this this show reminds me of like, you know, a choose your own destiny book. Did you ever read those when you were a kid? The choose your own destiny books. Oh, my God. Talk about stressful. This is probably why I am the way I am. I used to go into my little library at my school and I used to go to the choose your own destiny books Mm. and Oh man, that's right. If you you read a book and then it's like path A, if you choose path A for, you know, Susie, then go to page 76. If you think Susie should, you know, take the boat instead of the train, go to page 94. And depending on which one you chose, you would jump to a different section and then either Susie would like meet a terrible end or you would, you know, run off and, and be super happy. So to me, watching Succession is like a choose your own destiny book where everybody always chooses chooses the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Even when things start going well, they start choosing the wrong path again. Um, but you also mentioned like the cost of things and whatever. And I just want to say really quick, I'm obsessed with this account. It's called Succession Fashion on on Instagram. And they tell you how much everything is that they're wearing and what it is. And I can't stop looking at it. It's really interesting. So like these very basic pieces, especially that, uh, that Kendall wears, this like light soft polo in gray green, floral piano, $5,875 for a polo. You know what? I worked at Saks for about a minute and that cashmere brand is so expensive because we worked on commission and I remember someone spending like 5k on Christmas gifts and maybe 45 minutes and that you go there you get one scarf and you are well on your fucking way I mean my god it's insane but I I enjoy it now because I can I can kind of the different things that they choose the different characters is is interesting to me as well again with the layers but um but yeah succession is not at all aspirational it is it's the gratuitous wealth is a backdrop. It's not the focus. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's more interesting than if they were, they would seem shallow and like they really didn't have money if they were walking around head to toe in labels and talking about how much money they had or, you know, squabbling over who knows what furniture. Yeah, nobody's going to be showing up looking like Dorit. I mean, it's just the expectation and the environment that, um, 
the cast kind of lives in that it's just understood that this is what mm-hmm. we get and this is how we live and I was reading something the other day I wish I remembered what it was so apologies out there but there was a conversation around it might have been in the times honestly in the New York Times about the ways that Tom is often judged and mocked and ridiculed for wanting money, for yeah. wanting to move forward and have a different status than the, you know, comfortable life that he had. We have heard Shiv, you know, like making fun of his mom, who's an attorney who helped negotiate his prenup. Um he didn't necessarily come from a working class environment in any way. I would say it was like relatively upwardly mobile but you there's no one else essentially who very 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 few people in the entire universe have the kind of life that's afforded to them given to them provided to them by being a Roy and the fact that he talks about wanting to move up the fact that he talks about in that scene with with Shiv a couple episodes ago like I think about money I love that I love that speech and they make fun of him for it. It's like if you don't if you weren't born into this, it's seen as like almost grotesque that you would want to be a part of it, which is such an interesting kind of duality to me. It is because they were they were handed things and yet they resent that somebody wants to give everything they have to try and just be be near it, to try to just be at that level at all and you know that's her her big thing and it also has to be stressful for her right and this is something i think about for the very wealthy or the very famous how do you ever know how are you ever sure that the people in your orbit are there for you and not to just be in that particular orbit and that's why it's so nice when someone is you know probably for the for the famous people not so much the wealthy this can this can happen where you have friends that knew you when you had nothing and so those are the people that you know that you can trust if they don't, of course, turn on, turn into people who want, want, want from you. But for the characters in succession, it seems like Shiv, you know, kind of has just accepted that her husband, the man that she chose to marry, really wants her last name, wants to be in that circle, idolizes her father. And I think in some ways, you know, Shiv also idolized her father and saw him as a fan. I think all the kids kind of were fans of their dad as much or equally as they are children. So maybe she's disgusted by that because she, it resonates with her too. Yeah. And I think of like Connor and Willa at that moment mm-hmm. during the Connor's wedding episode. What a delight that was. Just a rocking, hilarious ride through that fucking yacht. Connor is turning into one of my favorite characters, though. I mean, his whole speech about not needing love and just always getting shit on. I love that when somebody can take a step back and call a spade a spade of like, I I live under a cold, hard rock. Like, I'm I'm okay over here. I'm used to it. And he called him out. Like, you guys are all chasing dad around trying to vie for his love and attention. I gave up on that a long time ago. Was there a more honest moment than him finding out on his wedding day that his father had just died moments prior and and just saying out loud as a gut instinct, like, he never liked me? I mean, he's not wrong in that, which is what I think is so upsetting. The ways that I think these kids, obviously adults, just 
are dealing with the fact that love from their father either wasn't received or was always tainted because it was often a part of like business strategy. Logan's expression of affection was a currency that existed oftentimes in the boardroom, sometimes it's just like a form of manipulation for somebody else. That's why the last episode was so key in so many ways. And I've, I've got a bunch written down, but you know, when Roman is having his reaction, he's hearing a story that to him explains, I think this is me projecting to what I think Roman was feeling, but I think to him explained a lot about his dad and why he was the way he was and the things that he carried with him. And so if you have never been, if you were not loved as a child, how can you show love to a child? It's very hard. A lot of people can turn themselves around and do it if they do the work and they say the cycle ends with me. He didn't focus on that. He focused on becoming powerful and wealthy. And so the way that he loved his children was extremely toxic. And I think Roman was realizing that he, uh, he was a complicated person with a lot of grief and things going on from an early age. It's interesting the kind of generational role of survival, like the ways that Logan existed in a place of life or death when he was a literal child trying to get to this country in one piece, essentially. And that survival instinct, which you could think about and be like, oh, that's great. That like helps business. But it's actually not ideal to live in that cycle because it's so connected in Logan's mind with rage. I think there's an anger there potentially about having to exist in that space and also feeling that your kids are not going to rescue you in the ways that he would want. I mean, obviously, this is a man who was unwilling to let go. But I think if there had been maybe someone, if this is even possible, who existed at the same level he did, who knows how he would have reacted to that, potentially fighting the urge or interest or ability to let go, but also having maybe a little bit more mutual respect. I don't know that I don't maybe that's too optimistic of me, but I think of Roman's reaction in that way. And do you think he would have broken down in the way that he did had Ewan not spoken out? Had Ewan stopped his, resp- his not sermon, but his eulogy with like, yeah. and we survived and that's it. God bless. Yeah, no, he would have been fine. I think he would have got up and said his little glib speech and stayed in that mindset of it's compartmentalized. I pre-grieved you know, I'm tough shit. I'm, I'm my dad. I'm cosplaying my dad. I'm, you know, and I think, and that's why the previous episode was so upsetting because you start to see Roman, he doesn't care about any of the very, very, very serious issues that are going on around him. He is just running as fast as he can. And anybody who has gone through, you know, grief and trauma, loss of a loved one, you can recognize that, that you throw yourself into something else if you can to escape the grief, to escape really stopping and saying, am I okay? How do I feel? He just went right into it of whether it's in his mind going to make his dad proud or he just needed to not be feeling what he was feeling in that moment. And the fact that his uncle got up when everybody tried to stop him from getting up and got that speech out 
totally threw him off kilter. And they show him breaking, you know, in the sitting in the pew and that whole facade comes crashing down and the play is over and he just really is who he is. And he can no longer pretend that everything is fine and that he's so strong and he's going to get up and make this speech. He was broken down to his base level and that's why he started acting like a little kid um, a little bit. And that's, you know, then of course, Kendall stepped up, but I think he would have been fine if the uncle hadn't spoken. Absolutely. So that's so interesting because I don't actually know that I agree. I think he was projecting the idea of, as you said, like the pre-grief, that he would be fine, everything would be okay. I don't know that he would have been able to get through it regardless of Ewan's remarks. I think it just propelled him forward in the idea of like, okay, this thing that just happened, there's no way I'm going to get past it. But I don't, I don't know that I could have seen him delivering because the way that he prepped that morning with this like laissez-faire style, it's going to be okay, I'm the man, whatever else, it felt like he was performing for himself that it would be fine. But when you're in that space with the most powerful people in the world looking at you, including the president that you helped almost elect, we'll see what happens there. I don't know that he would have gotten through it. I think that certainly the UN stuff affected him. How could it not? But I felt like here's the thing that like doesn't make sense, but I'm going to say it anyway. Welcome to taking it personally. (laughs) It felt like in some ways, potentially, Roman was breaking down because maybe it was the first time he was able to do so safely because his dad was dead. Mm. Like it was the first time that he could openly say, I'm broken and I can't do this and I can't pretend that I'm not, even though I tried to so desperately to myself. And while it wasn't a safe space, you have all of these people who are going to judge you. You're going to be punished for this. He's He obviously already was on his way of being punished with Kendall now seen as sort of the only option by a lot of people. It's not going to be easy for Roman moving forward. The president of the United States mocking him for having a breakdown while trying to eulogize his father. But there was also a part of me that thought like, this is the only time, this now starts like a new chapter for Roman. And the only way that it could have happened was if Logan was no longer here. And I just don't know that he could have gotten out of that because it's the first time he was forced to come to terms with the fact that his dad is dead. And it's like, to me, the UN stuff, obviously, you can't get past it. It was shattering, especially to those kids. But I think that Roman would have shattered in that public space regardless. He could have because he had an issue, you know, with the coffin. He locked eyes with the coffin and that threw him too. So that, that could have done it. Um, I think it was all too much. That definitely made it an impossibility to keep, to keep the act up. I also think uh, about the brother Ewan and they are not that far apart in age, but they went in such different directions and just made different choices and took on life in a different way where Ewan seems like an empathetic person who, who understands that 
these power moves have really, really serious repercussions for the vast majority of the population. And so while they're all playing in their, you know, $6,000 sweaters and feeling good about themselves, like big grown up boss boys, that things are, are happening and that his brother should be held accountable, should be responsible for that. But he also had a difficult life. So I thought it was a beautiful speech overall saying, you know, my, my brother caused a lot of grief and pain in this life. And here's what his life was like. And maybe he's hoping that the kids would see that and take a different path. And then the look on his face after Kendall speaks, he realizes that's not going to happen. Such a good point. And I also think like there's the ability to write off potentially what he's saying, even though I think we all understand that that would be pretty tough. But the fact that Ewan made it so difficult by acknowledging like I also carry some of that darkness, Mm -hmm. that's when you, to me, have a harder time of just entirely dismissing what he's saying because he's putting himself into the mix as well. He's not saying I'm an angel here and as the angel I need to stand up for my brother the devil. He's saying there's some darkness with me too. I I have a role in this. I see myself and my brother in in some ways in potentially arguably the worst of ways, but I have made an active choice to speak out and say that these broken parts of me or harmful parts potentially I've chosen to work on work through or acknowledge my brother has feasted upon it he has made his life's journey exacerbating that pulling what did he say like the fucking pulling the corners of the world closer being Mm -hmm. miserly in many ways being sort of like a meager man using his control and authority to make the world darker and less safe for anyone outside of his circle, but I would argue inside of it, absolutely as well. I mean, it was incredibly difficult, and yet was it kind of inevitable at a certain point that Roman playing in his father's shoes wouldn't really be able to step in and look at Kendall? who actually in that moment really, really stepped up. He did. Yeah. He floundered for a moment and then he plugged into something that I think is the undercurrent of all the characters on the show, which is that darkness that you can just plug in. And instead of rejecting the displays of power and wealth as, hey, that's never going to fill your soul. Let's do something else. You glorify it. And it's, and it's the brass ring that you want too. Yeah, and they're not the only ones potentially having this or trying to work through their feelings of what is it, how do we actually feel about Logan? No lo- now that he's no longer here, can we have an honest conversation not only about how we felt about this man, but how the way that he harmed us potentially the way that he impacted our life maybe the trauma of just like existing alongside of him and also the opportunity and potential like he made a lot of people really rich really successful really powerful and also many things can exist at once there was a cost like jerry saying how do we feel are you relieved that he's gone how Mm -hmm. did you really feel about the man to you know carl and frank i mean 
I was really fascinated by that exchange because I felt like in many ways, Carl and Frank didn't necessarily have a quick answer or response. They did when Shiv asked, maybe not quick, but they had that reply to her. And I just kind of wonder in that moment, do you think that they believed what they were saying? No, I think they kept the mask on pretty much. I think Jerry should have known better than to ask a direct question like that. I mean, she probably is in a different space, right? Because she quit or was fired, however you want to look at it. And the other two are still holding the line. They're still in there. So they're not going to talk crap about this man, I don't think, at, especially not at his funeral. But that was an interesting scene because I think my takeaway was that if something benefits them, they'll always hold the line. Isn't Jerry still a part of it? I thought that was kind of part of her conversation with uh, Roman at the um, night before we're still going to be the masters of the universe, regardless of who wins media event. Like, I thought it was that, like, here's the deal. I'm going to stay for however long stock options and don't fuck with me or else. I thought that was her telling him, like, how she's leaving. And she's like, I could have made you great. Like, this is what, this is what I'm taking with me when I go. Like, you're never going to besmirch me. You're going to give me this much money. It's going to hurt you when I leave. You know, that was her lashing back out. But then they kept cutting to her when he was having his breakdown. So I think there's more to that story. Uh, I'm sure there will be in the finale or hope there will be anyway. Yeah, I was kind of like under the impression that she was thinking ahead of like how she would leave, but that she's not just going to go out in the ways that maybe he was speaking at her like that you're fired and it's done. She's like, that's actually not essentially how this is going to work. Obviously we'll see more of that in the finale. Um, I do kind of need to ask you because there are couple, you know, kind of remaining questions about how some of these people are going to be moving forward that maybe we'll get answers to or maybe because god bless him jesse armstrong does not tie things up which is what i love about him and what maddens me that he really does look at this as life where it's like you could think that there are certain moments that are a red herring or it's just that like sometimes things aren't fully expressed or understood but where do we find Shiv and Tom in all of this? Oh, they're going to be together, Sarah. They're going to be together. Yeah. You think? Yeah, they're just a toxic couple. This is just how they are. I, I thought that was really healthy for them to have it all out the way they did on the balcony. I couldn't do it. I couldn't come crawling back from that. But these two are, these two characters, that's, that's what works for them. I'm telling you, they're going to end up together. They're going to have their ups and their downs. Um, but Tom's, Tom's going to be back in her life, I think. Okay. This is so fascinating to me because I thought they felt the freedom to be so honest with each other because they both felt like, oh, this is a hundred percent done. Like maybe, but they're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're lying to themselves. Nobody else wants to be with those two toxic people. They're perfect for each other. He, I think they do truly love each other at, at the core of their little dark souls. Paris is always a good idea. And when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Luanne? 
And while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life, that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options, and it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorenda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. 
For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has hormone harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDESGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDESGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes, so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andesgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andesgirls. Sign up today. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T H E 
O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com with promo code Andy. I mean, the moment where he was just like, I'm so tired. I haven't slept. If if Roman's focused on pre, what was it? Pre-grieving. Pre-grieving. Yeah. Tom's focused on like pre-sleeping. Like he has been thinking about this potential insomnia. First, it's been stressing him out and now he's here and he can't deal with it. But that moment of him being like, I couldn't be here for, you know, kind of talking to her in the ways that they are with just a lot of tension. She's fucking drinking the champs to piss him off. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the way that he was just kind of like, listen, I I miss the funeral, but I just want you to know that I said goodbye to your dad. Like the, the level of disrespect that you might feel about me not being there in this moment, I want you to know that I still respected your father and, you know, potentially loved him. I definitely loved him, I would say. Yeah. And again, that's what's really wild about their relationship is that Tom is usually the first one to show a vulnerability. Shiv will never be. Shiv has been raised by wolves. And I don't think I've ever seen her come to him and say, I'm sad. I need you. I love you. I'm sorry. But he comes to her like that quite a bit. Um, and you've watched the episodes more than I have. So I'm sure that, you know, resonates with you too in looking back on his character. And I think that's why they will be together because she doesn't have any other that I know of other than when Kendall had his, um, his dark days in season two. She doesn't have any other male figures in her life that show vulnerability or love or care for her. Um, Roman does every now and then, but they mostly joke on her and cut her out of things. And she has to be on her guard all the time with her brothers. And she had to be on her guard all the time with her dad, which is why what Tom did to her was the worst thing he could have possibly done because he was the safe one for her. And at the same time, I think that clicked something in her to respect Tom of like, oh, I can't just shit on this person all the time. They're not completely helpless. So it, it might be, this might end up being a good thing, a good path for them. And it, because of their their two different toxic issues that they have, it, it might set them on a path for a good relationship. And yet, I don't know that he's open to that. He's like, I think he is. His, you do like his oh, wife yeah. has emasculated him for years, said the night of their wedding, just so you know, I'm going to be sleeping with other people. I forgot to tell you, but monogamy is not for me. Like the way that she said, I don't love you. I mean, she's done stuff repeatedly that I think. Did you, were you there on the balcony? He said some stuff to her mm -hmm. that will rattle around in there for a long time. You can't be a mother. You're not meant to be a mother. You don't yeah. know how to mother a child. And she's yeah. fucking pregnant, unbeknownst to him. Yeah, he shamed her for anything he could possibly shame her for. Look, these are also Tom's issues, right? Shiv says that to him on her wedding night. Maybe she was panicking at the thought of being with one person for the rest of her life. Maybe that's really how she felt. But either way, he didn't say, uh-uh, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that. And let's go downstairs right now and have this annulled because you're with me or we're not together. He, he didn't say that. He didn't say, I don't think I'm into this, but let me think about it for a while. He was just like, okay, whatever you say. And so I think as much as we've seen all the other characters go through a, you know, a growth, so has Tom. And I think he's figuring out what he wants and where his boundaries are. And that's tough to do with that family where you want to, he wants to stay close to them. He likes being that inner circle. And when Logan died, 
now his only path is with his with Shiv because the brothers hate him and he knows that. So Tom panicking, you know, and them having this big blowout on the balcony, I don't think is the end all be all of their relationship. I think it's the culmination of a lot of things. And these kids were not allowed to grieve. So we, we look at the show and we want them to be more human, but they're not allowed to be human. They had to go right into a business deal. And now they're going right into a presidential election and they have to go right into like, you know, it's just, it's, it's insane what they're having to operate through with this tremendous amount of grief. So to me, their fight, yeah, it was a bad fight. It was a fight I couldn't have. But for those two characters, I think it's fine. I mean, they did also say to each other, like, I don't want to, I didn't want to marry you. Like, okay. I shouldn't have said yes. I agree with that. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I felt like that more than anything else was like, we no longer have any more fucks to give because we're both kind of tapping out. But but again, as you said, it was like maybe the most honest and hurtful that they have ever been with each other. I would say aside from that moment in. Oh, God, what was it? Season two? Yeah, where she's like, like, I don't love you and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he was like, I don't know if I, I think I might be happier when you're not here, you know, yeah. like, which was. No, he said, it was something like, if I'm really honest with myself, I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was saying like, essentially, like, I'm happier when I'm not with you. Like, I'm really. Yeah. They're on a beach, right? <sighs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a good one. It, and it was, and it was like heartbreaking, but also <sighs> she treated him. Terribly. Yeah, like her punching bag and her outlet. And he did the same in many ways with Greg, who was also the person that I think he allowed himself to be honest with in all of its entirety. Like he was, Greg was more of a partner for him in that sense, noting that the inequity in their relationship, the power imbalance mirrored in many ways his dynamic with Shiv, except in this circumstance, he was allowed to be on top. Yeah. No, it's it's really wild how accurate that is to say. Uh, and I've seen that, you know, people comment that before. And I think I've posted some funny memes where Tom is treating Greg like a spouse, you know, but that is how Shiv treats him. And likewise, Greg's motivation for putting up with it is similar to Tom's motivation for putting up with it with Shiv. But the same way that Tom respects Greg when he stands up to him and has boundaries, I think applies to Shiv too. So I do think if anything, the blowout fight that they had and you know him having an alliance with her father, I think that will endear him to her in, in the weird ways that they've learned to love. When it comes to um, you know, sort of honest truths, there was a moment at the funeral that was so shocking to me and so staggering and went in a direction that I was genuinely like mouth just losing my shit shocked shaken which was when I thought Caroline was stepping up to bat stepping up to the plate to humiliate Marsha by you know, saying to Carrie, oh, essentially got a better seat for you. Oh, you know, meet my friend, Sally Ann. Sally Ann, do you remember Marsha? She was my Carrie. Uh-huh. I thought that that was like a moment of potentially seeking revenge. 
And yet it was to me actually an honest moment of like, we all deserve to be sitting here grieving this man, which I think everyone, all four of them in that moment, respected and understood. And the way that Marsha offered Carrie affection and sympathy in looking at her because Carrie was obviously beside herself with grief was amazing. It mm-hmm. was so shocking to me. I couldn't have anticipated it. And I, I loved it. I loved seeing it. Me too. It made me really, really happy. That was definitely the highlight of the episode. I didn't expect that coming from, from Caroline, the mother at all. I really thought everybody was just going to be bitter and mean till the end, which seems to be the vibe, but she, she transcended. She's like water under the bridge. We all shared a bed with this man, get in the front row. Like as much as these little hanger ons, you know, are all like, what are they doing getting in the front row? It's like, you didn't do what they did. You didn't do what they did. They can be the front. You know, there's a question that I always like to ask on Andy's girls and also definitely IRL, like the question of who's your spiritual housewife, which is not necessarily who do you love, but who do you see yourself in the most? Do you have a spiritual succession cast member? It doesn't need to be a Roy. It can be an obviously safe space, no judgment. Here we are taking it personally from your kind of soul is there a connection that you felt for someone for better or worse I'm not sure I think I think little pieces of them resonate with everyone right Roman and his and his it completely inappropriate but hilarious remarks and and comic relief when things are extremely dark is something that I relate with because um I will be cracking jokes on my deathbed for sure um that's a tough one because I, I hope that I, I hope that I don't, the characters really are so messed up at the end of the day. You want good things for them. The show has, has made us love them and understand them. And so because we understand them, we can see like, don't do that. Don't go down that path again, but they're probably going to. What about you? I am one of those people more so than um, housewives, where I do honestly think like there is a part of me that sees myself reflected in several of these people. And while I would like to pretend that I'm a Jerry, I really am not, I don't think, uh, as much as I really do appreciate her. And maybe I have some characteristics. I don't think that's like closer to me I think I kind of honestly thought there were parts of me that were like most connected to Roman honestly but I think I'm actually genuinely more of a Siobhan like the ability I I think I think gender politics plays into that a lot and even the gender politics that I kind of carry within myself I see a lot of myself and my relationship with my dad in her relationship with her own. I've actually had this conversation with my brother before that there has been, this was a little, a moment ago, but like there has been no character on TV that I have seen reflected in not only my dad and his like stuff, but also sometimes in his relationship with his kids than I see with my dad and Logan Roy which is a lot to unpack and that's what therapy is for. But um, 
I see a lot of that kind of interaction taking place. I think that's one of the reasons that I find myself so like deeply connected to the show because I recognize a lot of their circumstances having literally nothing to do with money, but just like the interactions amidst the family and the sense of manipulation and of rage and sometimes of grief. Mm -hmm. I really genuinely see that it feels so closely connected that, you know, Connor's wedding, I was unbelievably beside myself sobbing, gasping for air because it was so close. But I think oftentimes the way that I see Shiv is through Shiv's relationship with Logan too, which probably is also the ultimate issue here with the kids is that the way that I view them still is in connection to their relationship with their dad as they see themselves as well, which is where we get into this fucking mess that they Mm -hmm. find themselves of like who is ultimately going to succeed. Um, And I definitely see aspects of Roman with like deflecting and going toward humor and absolutely delighting and crossing the line and some elements of like darkness and self-sabotage with Kendall um but yeah I think I think Siobhan maybe probably is the most honest Mm. reaction or response yeah I mean she's she's a great character and I I think a lot about her in season one where she had the long hair and she didn't really dressed like you know a boss lady uh she wasn't she wasn't a character that was built to please her father yet she was off doing her own thing and she was working in i think liberal politics communications or something and then they sucked her in and she started acting in a way that she was seeking their approval and before that she was kind of the wild child she was like screw you guys i'm doing my own thing and i think her dad was attracted to that, wanted that, wanted to bring her in, had respect for that, that she had made her own choices. And there's a line that Kendall says, and I forget what episode it is, but it's like, you you made us this, but you hate us so much for it. You gave us all this stuff. Like it, it coddled them, best schools, every resource, every top tier education, and he can't stand them for the for the people that he built, that he made, which I think is... So it applies to so many relationships where a parent had to struggle to give their kids everything and then they resent the child for having everything and spend a lot of time focusing on the difference between, hey, I didn't have everything and I had to work really hard and look at you, I'm giving you everything. And it's like, they, they, what's a kid supposed to do with that? Like, take it away then? I don't know. You're raising me this way. So it's, it's, that's a poison within the father that he never remedied. And so it just gets passed along of, you're always going to be a disappointment because of what I made you that you had no control over. Yeah. And also I think, as you said, like there's an appreciation and respect that Logan has (laughs) present tense um, and had for his kids own like bloodthirst, like when Kendall turned on his father in that press conference that was so shocking he looked and smiled there Mm -hmm. was a glimmer in his eye of like okay I told you you weren't the one you didn't have it and now look what you're doing as a response and also the way that the kids 
were able to turn on each other. That press statement that Shiv put out of like, my brother is an addict. He's a piece of shit. He's unwell, unwell rather. And like, remember, Connor wouldn't sign it. Mm-hmm. Roman wouldn't sign it. But Siobhan was willing to put it out. I mean, yeah. even in the darkest of times and of moments, even as, you know, it's like, this is the the phrase that I've referenced so many times on AG, but like, how does your mom knows how to press your buttons because she made them? That exists when it comes to Logan's dynamic with his kids. And that exists in the ways that the kids know exactly what buttons to press. They do, yeah. Against each other. And, and it's just so fucking toxic and dark. But now you have these four, I almost said three siblings, apologies to Connor. Oh my God. Now you have these. <laughs> he knows. Poor he, knows. he knows. He's fine. Con. He's going to be the happiest out of all of them. He obviously, is. he's got perspective. He doesn't. I think he actually chose a good partner. He I did. actually, I do. And she, she, as he said, you know, asking her, "Do you love me?" And she's like, "Are you just marrying me for my money?" And she's like, "Well, lol. Like, remember how we met? Money is not a bad thing, but also I'm okay. Like, I'm happy here." She's yeah. finding happiness in a circumstance that maybe was unexpected for both of them um but these kids man it's like who knows what direction we're gonna go down it does bring me a certain amount of anger that in the british style they know when to end in ways that american tv often does not because i really do genuinely feel selfishly but also in other ways that like I get that Jesse's you know the writer creator is tying up loose ends in some aspects but like I really feel like there is such a strong season five that maybe 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 we could get probably not but like you're shaking your head no there's no way I just maybe we can do a Christmas special they do that sometimes (sighs) over there those good Brits like I just it, there's so much it's like they're they're doing so much with season four that's just unbelievable people saying episode three connor's wedding potentially certainly i would say one of the best episodes of television to ever exist it's so hard to say goodbye it's like logan's funeral but also for me a little bit of one for the show and i'm just not ready to quit yeah it's tough it is i think when i look at logan and how he smiled at kendall and i think logan is the kind of guy who is always looking for and impressed by a worthy adversary and he liked when his children almost were it's um you know it's like when a parent is running a race against their kids or playing sports with their kids they they want you to try to beat them I want you to be great. I want you to be better than me. Can you do it? And that's where you feel the pride of like this little baby bird that I've raised can fly higher than me. And for Logan, it was ruthlessness in business. And I think it applies to the siblings too, that that's something that they respect, which is, you know, Shiv trying to be ruthless, uh, Kendall trying to be ruthless, Roman going through his crazy stages of grief of denial or whatever stage he was in and trying to be the worst person in the world but gain as much power as possible Mm -hmm. um with calling the election early i think all of that is their love language 
Yeah, and it's interesting because I think that I think as much as Logan refused to let go of power, I mean, the whole show is about succession and his unwillingness or inability to allow one of his kids to succeed. I don't know that he ever genuinely wanted any of them to. I think he ultimately wanted to win. I think he wanted to show his kids that maybe he was more, maybe, lol, he was more of a winner than they ever could be. I think there was an element here of competition that he put into place of the siblings trying to compete with each other. But I think ultimately it was like, yeah, you need to best me and that's never going to happen. And we're watching some elements of that play out. And we could say maybe it's because they're not willing to go to the depths that he could, but maybe they just, you know, as he installed certain buttons and knew what to press, maybe they just aren't equipped to do what he was willing to do. And maybe a part of that too is like, while they do have elements of being survivors, including of trauma, right, that was like created and managed by their parents, they never had to survive in the way that they did. They never had to fight for their life and remain quiet at a young age so that they wouldn't be caught and wouldn't die. Like that never survival for them was in an, a, a totally different universe and plane. So maybe it was inevitable that the way that they would potentially succeed wouldn't be like Logan's. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe there will be a different kind of future for Waystar Royco that couldn't exist with Logan at the helm. There could be. There could be. I want to get into a poem. Have you have you studied the poem? What poem? Hold on to your butts. There's a poem that ties every finale episode of Succession together. The poem is called Dream Song 29. It's by John Berryman. And the episode we just saw that explained that Logan was told, left to perceive that he had caused the death. From season one, we have, it's almost like his rosebud, like we have been exposed to this, this, we're made aware that there's a dark, painful past somewhere regarding a sister, but we don't know anything. We don't know anything at all. We don't know if something horrible happened to her in her 20s or we don't know anything. And we finally find out that she was a little, little girl, a toddler or a baby, and she passed from an illness. And he was allowed to believe that he brought that home because he didn't like the school where he was sent, a very tough school. And he carried that grief with him. And that was enlightening for many reasons, one of which is that, again, every finale episode has pulled a line from a poem called Dream Song 29. And the, and the poem itself is about is about a young man who believes that he has killed someone, but he wakes up and discovers that he hasn't. But he knows that he's so capable of it that that dream haunts him that he has killed someone. And that also ties into like Kendall and what he has had to deal with and overcome from, you know, NRPI when his father helped him to cover up you know, the, uh, the accident with the young man, the waiter. And it's very interesting. So it's a poem called Dream Song 29, and I'm going to read it. It was written in the 70s. Uh, there sat down once a thing on Henry's heart, so heavy if he had a hundred years and more, and weeping, sleepless, in all them time, Henry could not make good. 
starts again always in Henry's ears, the little cough somewhere, an odor, a chime. And there is another thing he has in mind, like a grave. Siony's face a thousand years would fail to blur the still profiled reproach of, ghastly, with open eyes he attends blind. All the bells say, too late. This is not for tears, thinking. But never did Henry, as he thought he did, end anyone and hacks her body up and hide the pieces where they may be found. He knows. He went over everyone and nobody's missing. Often he reckons in the dawn, them up. Nobody is ever missing. I am giving such face. Wait, how did you even discover this? I had no idea. It's just a, it's a, you know, when they started titling the, the finale um, episodes, someone realized it and was like, hey, these, they're pulling this from this poem. And so there's been a couple articles on it of like, what the hell is this poem and what's this loss? And he thinks he murdered someone. Is this about Kendall? So then when the episode came on and the uncle reveals that story that he has lived his whole life with the grief, thinking that believing that he caused his sister's untimely death, it's like the haunting of this man in this poem. And my big takeaway is that the man in the poem knows that he is capable of it. And so it haunts him. And even the image of it was so clear in his mind, he can't believe that it was just a dream. So it's layered. I literally am crying just so you guys know. <laughs> I'm literally, it's like, send me to Dundee, tell Raya, call it a day. Also, P.S., where was Raya? Where was Raya? Where were the Pierces? I know that's not like super necessary at this point. We're having a breakthrough moment, but like got a couple of follow-ups. Maybe they were in the back of the church. Like, wow, that is unbelievable. I had no idea. Maybe this is the indication I do need to go on Reddit. Absolutely not. But wow, that's so powerful and haunting. Oh my yeah. God. When Ray and I've been watching, cause I, I literally guys, like I, I watch succession as people listen to background music. I have been known to just play it on a loop. And yesterday I was watching random episodes as, as I do throughout the day, every day of my life. And the way that the kids were fucking with Raya, which LOL, she absolutely deserved by telling her during the Dundee celebration, oh yeah, you should do a cheers to Rose and seeing how that landed as we have heard glimpses of something that happened to, you know, a family member of his and now knowing the ultimate truth in Ewan's remarks. I mean, it's just so fucking, like the, the guilt, the shame, the grief, the trauma, and yeah, maybe it's like the darkest part of this is regardless of whatever happened, which was absolutely an accident. It's like, well, actually, what are you capable of doing? Like, what have you done to your children? You know, not just your parents. Yeah. And did he make choices in his life thinking I'm already a killer? Mm. You know, and he says to his son, you've got to be a killer. Like he maybe he says, my soul is already gone. I killed someone, the, the best person I ever knew. I could start crying now. I'm literally crying. Oh my God, that's so sad. I'm literally crying. Oh, that's so sad. It's so sad. If you think that you started your young life by killing the best person you ever knew, the bar is in hell and you can do anything. You can justify anything. I'm already a horrible person. 
Well, not even necessarily the best person you ever knew, but someone who was pure innocence. Pure innocence that you loved, that he talks about in a loving way, and he doesn't talk about anybody in a loving way. And, and Pinky, and that's where the nickname Pinky came from, and that's why he calls Shiv Pinky. And, you know. Oh, no. Oh, no, because Rose was pink. Oh, no, you're trying to kill me. <laughs> Logan's dead. Isn't that enough? That's how good the writing is. Pay your writers what they need. I will get so mad. The one thing I wanted to do when I was in New York was go to the writers strike line and give them something. I didn't even know what I was going to get them like some fancy 50 layer donut. I don't I don't care. <clears throat> but I feel like I, it makes me so mad to think about HBO. Everything we're crying about came from the mind of writers. And so I I'm so fired up about that. I want them to, and they're not even asking for much there. They're asking for like 3%, 3% of like what the executives make to be shared among the writers. I was like, go for 10, say 10%. Without you, it's nothing. Without you, it's, it's, it's writers debating over costs of shoots and stuff. I mean, it's producers debating over costs of shoots and stuff. So anyway, that gets me fired up when we're emotional about that. Thank a writer. We need to acknowledge the power of the writer's guilt, maybe potentially more so, more yeah. more of an impact in our life than Roy Star, <laughs> Waystar Royco ever could. Um, on that note, listen, as we wrap, we're heading, we're barreling straight into the series finale. Do you have a projection of who you, if we'll even find this out, I don't know that it's, I assume we're going to get some sort of something of somebody succeeding. If that happens, do you A, agree? And who do you think it's going to be? And is that different from who do you want? Oh, I don't think anything is, that has happened has been what I want on the show, Succession. But I think that's the point. I think this entire thing we've been watching is like an Aesop's fable. And I think we're meant to learn something from it, hopefully. The universe, especially in America in 2023, I think we're supposed to be taking something away from this that we can apply and hopefully not make the same mistakes. But I think what will happen, do you really want me to say what I think is going to happen? The safe space, the safe word is that I typically do not ever want to know another person's um, assumption because it will in the the grand book of the sixth sense as I was traumatized. Talk about trauma, okay? I wasn't stuck in the bottom of some great ship steaming toward America, but I did go to the sixth sense when I was just a wee galley with my childhood good friend Erica, with whom I'm still quite close, and mere minutes into the sixth sense, she turned to me and said, I think he's dead, and I have <laughs> never recovered from that and the trauma that still exists about spoilers when people I had a friend of ours face reality 16 messaged me on Sunday night and said like can you believe that episode and I was out to dinner <laughs> with OG the AG David Bellino and I had a physical guttural response to even understanding that the episode was great that was like so <laughs> upsetting to me. So tell me, tell me what you think is okay. going to happen. Only because you asked. I think Kendall will take the reins. He's built up his little, his little mm-hmm. crew. He got the bodyguard. The bodyguard was very, very loyal. He's kind of lost his purpose now. Kendall says, come talk to me. Don't talk to some shrink. Come work for me. And he's like, I'll be your new 
Logan. And then he goes to the, the other crew and he says, come, come on, come work for me. Come be with me. So he, this is, this is like Michael Carleone, who said he was never going to be, you know, the leader, except Kendall always wanted to be the leader, taking that role, about to walk in his father's footsteps. I think that's what's going to happen here. Um, I think that, you know, Shiv's going to be fine. She's going to be back with Tom and she's always going to have some, you know, power position, but Kendall will never look at her the same way. The love that he had for her, you know, he was standing up for her, yelling at Tom. She was in her circle. He had just had that deep one-on-one with her of like, this is how I think this is going to go. And he's being super honest. He's like, I think, I think I run it, but I think we do it. He's laying all his cards out on the table of like, I, here's what I want. She's not ballsy enough to do that. She has not been honest with her brothers to say, screw you guys. You've been cutting me out and I'm feeling mad about it. And I'm working as a double agent right now, but my loyalty is to you always. So let's, how are we going to play this? What are we going to do? She didn't do that. She kept in the, sh- in the shadows, in the darkness. And so I think she's going to get cut out. Um, but again, she'll be fine. And I think, you know, Roman will be okay, of course. And I think he'll end up working with Kendall. From the perspective of like putting everything on the table including about that quote-unquote no real person involved who he accidentally killed or whatever or didn't save see at the end of season one that I think I wonder if that will come up or if it is possible for them to share incredibly deep dark secrets with each other and not have that used in moments of desperation or anything else Mm. I wonder if Siobhan might just save democracy and not necessarily get herself a CEO role. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a split there of like she wins something great for other people, aka also herself, and not this other thing. I do think it is most likely that Kendall's going to get it, but I don't know because in this show in which most likely never seems to land purposefully, I don't know if that's the direction they're trying to make us go in, uh, understanding that it's not going to end that way. Like, Matson could end up owning the company at the end. It might not be any of the kids. Yeah, it might not. And that's the great thing about Succession is we have no idea. That's my guess, but I will not flinch if it ends up in a completely different direction. I'll just be like, man, those writers... So, because Shiv, look, she's pregnant and she's watching the world go down in flames. She's got actual skin in the game in many ways. Kendall has decided he doesn't really care. He's like, it's not real, ex-wife. The kids are going to be fine. Meanwhile, Bedlam in the streets, he's in complete denial. It's like your, your money can only protect you so far. You know, you're in New York City. She's smart to take him out of the city. The whole, the whole town's going, going crazy, as it would and as it did, as it has at different times. So they're playing with fire. And if it doesn't end up being Kendall and Shiv somehow saves the world, I'll be the first person to applaud her for getting that done. I literally can't even. It's going to be such incredible television. I mean, as the people have always said, it's not TV, it's HBO. Mm-hmm. And while we're alleging that the name of our beloved television institution is now called Max, at least the app 
it will always be HBO to all of us. And um, it is an important societal effort. I have to I have to tell you something funny that I saw. So all these all these platforms are all changing their logos to be blue and they're all going from like two words to one word and like just shortening as much as they can. And somebody tweeted out and was like, Peacock's now gonna be called cock and it's just gonna be <laughs> this blue image and it's like they made a logo. It was pretty professional looking. Well, shout out to Cox. Shout out to Cox mm-hmm. everywhere. On that mm-hmm. note, bravo, bravo, ducking, bravo. There is no one that I would want to head into this new journey for all things AG and our social experiment than to continue talking about our love language, which I think for both of us is in fact television. And overthinking. And- and overthinking and like the lol of these episodes being called taking it personally which was i have to give credit where credit is due a friend of the pod james la rosa came up with that Uh, this has been an idea and a goal that i have honestly been thinking about for a long time like a long long time yeah jump in and also like continue these conversations. And as AG will continue and grow, this is just like a bonus to that. This is the ability to go in different directions, but the foundation is so similar and so consistent, which is thinking through the lens of like, how does our experience as human people, as viewers, influence our perspective of things taking place? And there are so much, there's so many different love languages that I love to speak under the umbrella of TV and succession to me is like the number one goat and you know how obsessed I am with you. So it's just so fun for us to like stretch our muscles as creators, as Bravoholics and, you know, use the language that we have to talk about something else. I'm so indebted to you for, um, for being a part of this journey. And I do also want to thank T Kyle who created this incredible theme composition who is so amazing if you don't follow t kyle and listen to his podcast legends only what are you even doing with your life um so shout out to t kyle and to the many people who've been a part of this kind of brain trust as we've been on this journey and in the ways that i hate the phrase guilty pleasure because i just think remove the guilt there's no need to do that the the title of taking it personally is a wink at that people using the phrase as a pejorative this is a little bit of a wink and a smile that taking it personally is something we can embrace and celebrate so thank you to bravo bravo ducking bravo for joining me today and again if you're not subscribed to the andy's girls podcast what are you even doing with your life you're going to get those two episodes a week about all things psychology around the housewives aka vanderpump rules universe and also now a new chapter and new beginning by Ramona and obviously I was emotional during this episode so follow Bravo Bravo Ducking Bravo on all of her social media platforms follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley new episodes up on the AG Patreon including a deep dive of what the fuck Louie with responses from tree huggers my thoughts on the wedding episode and a live reaction to the NJ reunion trailer and so much more at patreon.com slash Andy's girls. And in the meantime, thanks to all of you for listening. 
can't wait for the Succession series finale <laughs> on Sunday and for these conversations to continue. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.